0: Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 171. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, John White, at vJourneyman. We are a couple of pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor-neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you wanna get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. This week, we're back with part two of our interview with Joe Shinovy. If you missed part one in episode 170, go back and give it a listen. We followed Joe through his time in the Air Force and how that was, his, that was his entry point into the technology industry. We also talked about Joe's transition to civilian life and what that's like for people in the military. We focused on the importance of being curious and how that can open a lot of new career opportunities for all of us. And we talked about how organizations change over time just like your job description does that we should start having career conversations with our managers to set those expectations and get some feedback. Lastly, Joe told us about learning the promotion process, how he learned about job laddering and job leveling within different companies of different sizes. This week in part two, I would pose this question. How do you determine if and when it's time for something new? Well, this week, Joe's going to give us some great tips on that. He'll talk about the role of mentors in his career and the difference they play from your direct line manager. Also, how can we react to feedback from our manager when it's not what we wanted to hear? Joe will also give his thoughts on the individual contributor versus management decision for him. He's a high level individual contributor today, but is he ruling out management as a potential path? Joe will also share a little bit about the career path or experience he had in program and project management, because that's a viable option for many of us. And Joe will share his thoughts on the principal title and what it really takes to get to that high level of an individual contributor. Let's get started. Here we go with part two and the conclusion of our interview with Joe Shenady. So what is the general feeling and thought process for Joe Shenevy when, okay, I think it might be time to go look and do something new? Are there some guidelines that maybe our listeners can leverage to see if they can notice that on their own?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it comes down to really sitting back and having a perspective on your level of happiness. I think happiness drives a lot of the decision-making that we do, and whether we're mentally curious, whether we're emotionally fulfilled goes a lot towards how we view our roles and functions within our professional careers. And as much as we want to establish lines between work and personal life, I don't think people appreciate how fundamentally our professional careers act in terms of emotional fulfillment. So when you feel like you're not fulfilled either mentally or emotionally in the work that you're doing that can, you know, have spillover effects to your family, you know, in some circumstances, but also it could put you into uh, a morass in terms of your approach to your your daily work. And when you feel like you're at a point where you're either curious about doing something different or you're frustrated about what you're doing because it doesn't really stimulate you enough, I think those are the times where you think, okay, what can, you know, is there an opportunity for me to do something different? What skills can I build upon? What skills do I want to learn? Mm. And is there a place here in the, in the company that really has an opportunity that one would be able to level, uh, leverage what I bring to the table and two they have a need and are receptive to having someone like myself really, you know, go into that role because it can be a difficult conversation if we're not prepared to have it where you jump into a role that is entirely different from the role that you're in today. And it does come down to in, in my experience really building those relationships. I've been able to really utilize my personal relationships throughout my professional career and maintaining some of those relationships to build you know, windows into various opportunities. When when there was something new that came of came up, in a lot of cases, it was learned through you know conversation I would have with an individual that I used to work with in in some capacity. And they said, "Hey, like I've got a new opportunity. If you're looking to do something new, this is what it is." So you know that took me to a different you know level of conversation from there. But it's really you know judging where we are in ter- in terms of our mental curiosity, as well as our, like I said, emotional fulfillment, because there's a great tie into, you know, our daily life and our daily
0: work. So you're speaking to the point of we should keep those personal connections hot and warm throughout the entire career path and not just, hey, I'm looking for something new.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it can be difficult, right? Maintaining relationships takes effort. You know, relationships, again, has to be Bi directional in nature, you know, it can't be just a pull. I want something from you. And but if we're relating to people that we work with, and hopefully we get the opportunity to work with great folks, and when you have a natural bond with someone, I think that helps. You know, we there's a lot of circumstances, Nick. I'm sure you have many of those where you've built relationships throughout your career, whether they were here at VMware or other companies you work for where those people really stuck out for a reason. Yep. And so it's those people that really, I think you want to really curate, you know, throughout your career, periodically reaching out saying, Hey, how are you? Just wanted to say hi. How are things going? How's the family and maintaining those relationships because those relationships will often act as bridges to something new and unique, whether it's, Hey, just finding out who that person is now, what they're doing, how well they're doing, how how successful they are and caring for folks in that regard and I think it really comes down to you know just human nature wanting to really bond and establish you know some level of uh, affinity to to people we work with but those those bonds have a tendency to be fruitful in multiple ways really you know it'll provide you some new insight that you may not have gained you know through conversations um, when you're ready to to do something different. I have often had mentors that have bounced you know, my ideas and frustrations and anxieties off of who've been great sounding boards for me in terms of how I evaluate my own personal situations in terms of my professional world. If we're able to do that you know, throughout our career, I think regardless how long it is between the point in time where we work with someone And the next time we engage it, if you're really building a fundamentally mutually beneficial relationship with those folks, they will still be there. They'll remember you for, you know, the positivity that you brought to them. And hopefully that means that, you know, at some point in time, you know, that that'll be fruitful when you want to do something new or transition to, because in a lot of cases, I think we live in a world that is small in regards to our career field here in IT, it's very circular in that we often will have a tendency to co with many of the same folks throughout decades. And so I think it's extremely beneficial to kind of continue to curate those relationships. But it's difficult. You know, it takes time and it takes effort. But the more that we do that individually, I think the, the more that we are able to really leverage those at uh, specific points in time where we're ready to do something more than what we're doing today
0: I completely agree when you were doing the category management project management throughout EDS and Accenture how how did mentors play into that did you have mentors that guided you into those adjacent roles where you wanted to do something new or was that kind of mostly on your own
1: yeah absolutely I did have mentors I had a couple of previous first line managers who I'd worked for who I continued to use as mentors when they transition to different areas of the organization that I would have regular conversations with just to bounce off hey i'm ready to do something new what do you think about this what about this area of the company what about that area of the company so having mentors in your career is often very helpful because it gives you perspective that you don't necessarily have because i think in in many cases one mentors can see a lot of the good that we're doing that we we may not see in ourselves but also gives us a transparent feedback into areas that we need to grow, that we may not be thinking of. So there's a couple of different benefits that mentors provide. And it doesn't have to be always formal in terms of what that you know that relationship looks like in terms of mentors. In many cases, uh, the folks that I've relied on as mentors uh, have been peers in a couple circumstances. A couple of my mentors have been leaders Um, so it depends on really your focus as an individual I think we could be mentored or coached in areas with people that we're that are doing things that we're interested in doing as well you know so there's that type of coaching that we can get and then there's mentors who we look to because they've been successful in their career progressions that we are often going to use as you know a sounding board for how we we might do career progression so I look at mentors acting in those capacities when they will help us think through, you know, our next steps, as well as mentors who will give us a little bit more narrow view of, you know, build this skill because it'll enable us to do something different.
0: Yeah, that is a very good point. And I think that probably the mentors can help us with what we were talking about before, those career conversations with your manager, how to ask for what's next and, and what you want to do.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I do that. I try to do that with uh, some folks that i've coached as well because it often is easier for us to have conversations of that uh, of that type with mentors instead of our first line managers so mentors can act as somewhat of a trial balloon hey i'm i want to have this conversation how should i approach it mentors can really give us a benefit in that regard and what i'll what i'll say is whatever our a mentor says in terms of well this is how i did it that always has to be taken for a grain of salt because mentors aren't really intent on telling us exactly how to do it because they're you know everybody's experience is going to be different and so what I what I try to do as a mentor myself is to say in your situation you may consider xyz and I'll give them an example a personal example from my career but I'll caveat it with with that in mind in my circumstance in this situation I did this, that may be different from your situation, but you could think of three things to do and I'll give them three suggestions and then really allow that person to really think through how they want to go about that. So it's not do, do this and do this only. It's here are your options you can consider, do what's going to be comfortable for you.
0: I like that. And I... I appreciate the trial run factor of the mentor because it's a safer space. It's not as it's overwhelming, yeah. I guess, because you know they're not in a position of well.
1: There's a lot, there's a little less anxiety involved, right? Because there's you know they're they're really just acting as a sounding board at that point. There's no pressure on them. And there's no pressure
0: on you. And they don't necessarily control whether you get promoted. Or... Exactly. Yeah, I like that. What happens, Joe, if you if you go through the conversation with the mentor, you try and prep it, you have a good conversation with the manager, but they're just not really receptive to what you want to do.
1: I think that largely depends on one, how satisfied are we in what we are doing today? And I think, you know, we have to take in mind the person that we're talking to that manager is a human being as well. They have a lot of things going on. So putting ourselves in that perspective, and by the way, this has taken me years to understand myself, right? So I didn't necessarily have this attitude when I when I began my professional career, but certainly is now. Putting ourselves in their shoes is helpful in understanding some of the responses that we get back and whether it's not necessarily something that we wanted to hear or not. If I step back and say, okay, this is not what I wanted to hear, perhaps let me understand them a little bit better so that perhaps what they're saying, I can take it in a different fashion. But ultimately, I need to be aware of how happy or satisfied I am in my current role. And if that feedback comes back where I'm not necessarily satisfied with that, I do you know, I think it presents everybody an opportunity to make that assessment Do I need to build some additional skills? You know, that's a great follow-on question. If the opportunity doesn't present itself now, when do we anticipate that coming up? You can always follow through with another question like that. Or potentially pause that conversation, have that assessment, have a conversation with a coach or a mentor, reflect on what that means, and perhaps that answer is fundamentally – if the opportunity isn't there in your current team or your current role, maybe perhaps now is the time then to look at a possible transition. I think it really depends on, again, that 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 acuity that you have to have in terms of your, your, your mental satisfaction with what you're doing and your emotional fulfillment with what you're doing as well.
0: I would 100% agree with that. And it's It's actually a good opportunity to ask for what the gaps are because you may not necessarily see them and maybe the mentor didn't pick up on them either because the boss is looking for something specific.
1: Right. And, you know, mentors don't, in many circumstances, I try to use mentors who aren't necessarily in my organization. Mm -hmm. One, because they have a different perspective, but that also means they aren't necessarily privy to everything that we do day in and day out whereas our our first line or second line managers may be and some of our colleagues as well and so really taking input from multiple viewpoints i think is helpful especially when we're looking at evaluating choosing a, a next step that is different from you know the p- particular roles that we're in now having those multiple voices help us understand what's right for us can be beneficial and then Once we've come to a conclusion as to, you know, the next progression that we're ready for isn't, you know, doesn't exist within our current organization, then it becomes a matter of really, one, either going back to having that secondary conversation on, can you help me identify, you know, with your manager, can you help me identify other opportunities in in the organization? And I think in, in a lot of cases, most companies and most managers are willing to have that conversation. I don't think anyone has the expectation that, you know, you're going to continue to do the same thing you're going to do for 20 to 30 to 40 years. And so being ready to have that conversation, I think is a little bit easier once we've determined how far we can take ourselves in, in a current job code or a job family. And it can be difficult because in a lot of cases we like the people that we work with. And we like the company, but, you know, it depends on really, you know, everybody's personal ambition, whether the choice is stay in the company or go to a, someplace that has that that opportunity that I'm looking for. But it's at a different company, so i will have to learn something new, new learn new, a, a new company culture. I think we just have to be ready for it, but we have to be ready for it, you know, on the time frame that that is most beneficial to given, I think, the satisfaction level we have
0: at that point in time. Speaking of satisfaction level, Joe, some people prefer to be individual contributors throughout their career. They don't want to be in people leadership. They want to be in charge of hiring processes and disciplinary actions. What is it that keeps you specifically on the individual contributor path for now? And did you ever consider people leadership at any point?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I have considered people management previously, not only here at VMware, but in in my other companies that I've worked for. And it really comes down to, I think, the satisfaction that I have in doing what I do. And, And in many respects, when I looked at people management roles earlier in my career, I had this sense that after a while, it was just something natural to do. Well I, well, I need to look into people management after so many years. Um, so I had this, I, I'm not quite sure why I built that notion up, but I think there was some misinformed opinion that I had formulated in my own mind that that was sort of the progression that I had to take. But when I started to really research particular roles and do some soft signaling into some of those roles and understood what you know, the type of characteristics that the companies that I was working with were looking for in terms of people leadership, they didn't necessarily align with what I was passionate about. And I think oftentimes what we find, especially in my case, that when you're not passionate about something, you don't necessarily put your best foot forward. So I wasn't, as you said, passionate about talking about administrative stuff or, you know, having to manage cost centers or what have you. And so that bears itself out, I think, in many cases, uh, in terms of your level of enthusiasm for the work at hand, you know, portends how successful you can be when you want to interview for that type of role. I naturally found that I was more enthusiastic about the technology than I was about the management of people or the management of things. The administrative work, and so that's why eventually I found well, people management wasn't just wasn't for me at that point in time because I was more enthusiastic about actually implementing technology, researching technology, selecting technology, and and technology architecture. So I've gravitated toward the individual career path for those very reasons because it gave me the flexibility to really control my focus in terms of the technology that I focused on and the types of things that I focused on without necessarily taking on the burden of really thinking about other folks from a salary perspective, a compensation perspective, career level perspective, right? All of those things that managers have to do day in and day out, you know, I wasn't necessarily ready for. And I'm still, like I said, I still see myself as a as a hardcore technologist. And that's what I'm interested in. And so I think that is really what sets people apart in terms of whether individual career path, you know, individual contributors and jobs related to individual contributor roles are appropriate versus people management roles. But I think, you know, over the course of time, you know, your viewpoint can shift in that regard. You know, I'm, fairly tenured in my professional career year, uh, career now. I've been working for quite some time now. And so my attitudes have changed over the course of time. And I think it becomes a matter of, do we still feel passionate about the actual technology? Do we still f- passionate about what we do as individual career Are we looking to really build other people up? I think those folks who step into the management roles or leadership roles, those are the folks that are the either signal I'm ready to really curate people, build people, and that's what I want to focus on versus let me focus on this job in technology. For for folks like myself and you, I think, you know, that's something that we have to really look at and evaluate depending on where we are within our, our career set. As as I get older and older, you know, my attitudes have shifted where I'm focusing a little bit more on mentorship Focusing a little bit more on coaching. So my mind is being a little bit more receptive to eventually, you know, maybe in a year, two, three years, I might be ready for a management role because of those reasons. Because I'm starting to look at being more of a coach and and a, and a mentor as opposed to, you know, the person that's actually doing, you know, the individual work. So it's it really comes down to what we're ready for and what we're passionate about. You know, I've said it repeatedly and it really does go to our level of happiness. If you're happy doing what you're doing, you're going to continue to do it. And
0: is there a, you mentioned the the mentorship path as a great way to still be a leader without being a people leader formally, right? Yeah. Can you just for a second talk about the program manager role that you did and how that's different from all the others we've talked about and if that might be a nice, happy medium for anybody out there who doesn't know what that role is.
1: Yeah. Program and project management, I think is a, a, you know, a professional career field in and of itself. And it largely deals with, you know, managing an organization, including resource and assets in order to accomplish building something. Right. So program managers and project managers are really facilitating schedules, resources, assets, and management in order to create some sort of deliverable, whatever that deliverable. It could be a building. It could be a construction project. Like I said, it could be an IT project. Those resources are not themselves managers, but they have to manage resources and assets. One of those resources happens to be human resources in terms of engineering, talent, operational challenge what have you so you get into a lot of having to influence the work of other folks and then scheduling those resources and working with folks who actually you know hire folks or or folks who have folks reporting to them uh, project and program managers are more akin to leaders in terms of having to deal with engineering resources without the burden of having I'll say the the conversations on careers or what have you. So we're focused more on the level of work and the type of work they do, but we don't have the responsibility to manage the individual career paths. So it's a fine line because because we don't have those folks reporting to us. That means we have to influence people in different ways because we we don't have a hammer that we can... Utilize because they don't report to us. So, matrix management is often what program managers and project managers do for human resources. And they try to get those human resources to do something or create something on our behalf or the company's behalf. What I found interesting about that wor- work is if you look at what we do as technologists, in many cases, we have to have someone who organizes that work into finite tasks. And so program and project managers help us to organize work into uh, a set of tasks that we can accomplish on a certain schedule. So I got into that role really because I wanted to do something a little bit different than just that technical implementation. I was bored at the time. I had actually uh, done some program management training when I was in the Air Force. I said, well, that sounds interesting. Let me see if I can utilize that. And so uh, it did teach me a lot about again, the ability to influence what people do toward a project, because I had to control costs, I had to control schedules, and then I had to control the level of, or the quality of the, of the work without necessarily being responsible for or controlling or having the authority for any of those things. And so it's a challenge. And it takes a special type of person to really do that as a as a career their entire life. I found that it was interesting for me because I learned something new about it and I continue to use those re- sk- skill sets, but it also was a frustration point of mine, which is why I transitioned out of that role into you know more of a technology architecture
0: role at some point in time. And if you're out there listening and you work for a small company, you probably have learned some elements of this discipline in just managing, all right, I, I need to stand up this new data center or even you know, we need to build this new office and I'm going to help plan all the cat six wiring for the building and where the where the jack should be because you're going to coordinate with vendors. and
1: Yeah, if you're highly organized, chances are you're doing some project management and you
0: don't even know it. So maybe that's an adjacency that people could look into her listening. You know, maybe they're in-house IT today and they want to do something a little bit different. Maybe that's an option.
1: I think that's a great perspective because in many regards... Again, project and program management is a career field in and of itself, regardless of whether it applies to IT as an industry or other industries. You could be a project manager in construction, and much in the same way, that same methodology applies in IT or in other career field or other industries as well. So that's the great thing about, I'll say, learning new skill sets and broadening what we would call soft skills, so to speak. So it's not necessarily directly related to the jobs that we have, but we're building soft skills, project management, schedule management, uh, financial management, and what have you. And when you when we add those skills into our repertoire, that can lead to unique opportunities to kind of do those things as a job in and of itself for a different place for a different
0: company. Yeah, different industry, to your point. Different industry, exactly. It widens, it widens your we'll say uh, blast radius for what you could take on as a job next. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's go back to that global field principal portion, Joe, as we hammer this episode to the end pretty soon. I know that as people move up to the principal role, that's kind of an elite title across our industry. I would imagine that that takes a little bit finer grained focus as you get closer to a higher level individual contributor, what kind of challenges have you experienced trying to make sure you focus your work so that it has the, the most impact it can so that you're meeting the requirements of what that principal role is asked of you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, principal as a title means or can mean different things depending on the company. But largely, it's consistent in terms of, as you said, it's one of the higher tier individual technologists' roles that you'll find at many technology companies within our industry and in adjacent adjacent industries as well. And in a lot of respects, it comes down to, I think, achieving that principal status requires specialization in a context that you're building your platform and becoming known for something unique and differentiated as opposed to, I'll say, the majority of, of your colleagues. So if you look at pre-sales solutions engineering as an example, there are many things that we can potentially focus on or our companies have us focus on. But if we want to really go up to the principal level it comes it becomes a matter of differentiating ourselves to the point of becoming known for a certain technical skills set or a body of work so i started to really build a specialization when i start uh, when i joined the uh, the dell synergy part of our organization and focusing on you know our joint technical solutions that we had with dell and becoming an expert into that joint solution set and I started really building relationships within the office of the CTO through my membership as a CTO ambassador at the time and really focusing very heavily on kind of like the joint capabilities and joint solutions that eventually that led me to have conversations about, well, am I ready to take this next step and potentially go for a principle, which is... You know, in many, com- uh, in many companies, there'll be like a structured process to really get to that level. One, it, as I said before, it took me to really signal that I was ready to get into that, find a coach that who can help me really think through what I needed to do and think through the necessary steps to really kind of prepare myself to get into that process. But it comes down to, I think, uh, for folks like ourselves, graduating from really uh, a generalist perspective to becoming a specialist in some fashion because uh, I think it's, uh, it takes, um, I'll say, a finite uh, focus to really build your name to the point in time where you're going to be known and mentioned by other folks for a very specific reason. So I, you know, I have a tendency to get brought in for conversations to really talk through what that joint solution set is, as I said. But if you look at all of the principles that we have and in our company, certainly, they're known for very specific things, you know, and they, and they built their name really on, on, you know, a certain specialization or graduating to kind of like the highest level of of technical skill set in, in that given field. And I think it's uh, in many respects, depending, uh, you know, no matter what company you're in, it really is that principal title is specific to a a very differentiated skill set for that unique area that the company is focused on. And so the company, you know, our company, certainly VMware looks at, you know, really having folks prepare for that in a certain fashion. And it comes down to one technical depth, but also building, I'll say a broad swath of soft skills as well. And then really working through the challenge of, I don't want to say defending what that body of work is, but it's almost like describing to somebody else why it is that you've, you've attained that level and, and why do you deserve that distinction. It took me quite a while to understand what that process was, but I had to be curious about that first. But, you know, it really starts with defining, you know, a specialization and then working through where everybody recognizes you for that very reason.
0: And it sounds like there's not really a way to not do more work as you progress to this level, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And the way that I'll describe it is, uh, it it comes down to time management. When there's something that you want to do, you'll find time to do it. And in many cases, when I chose to, you know, go down the the principal path, I had to make a choice of where to find that time. In some capacity, that time was afforded to me as as a part of my day-to-day role because I try to align preparation for principal or the function of a principal as a part of my day job. So as much as possible, if you can do that, that it you know is beneficial for you because the greater the alignment to what you do in your day job, the easier it is for you to really make that progression. But you will have a tendency to find you will need more time than what those eight hours a day that you have or 40 hours a day. And so I found time elsewhere in my day, in my week. And in many circumstances, you know, I had to make the choice of dedicating some of that personal time that I had and, and reallocating that to preparation for principal, And, you know, for the period of time that I was preparing for, you know, to go through the process of being promoted to that level, You know, it did take away a little bit from my family time. And so, you know, I think folks who are looking at career progression, especially, you know, in in terms of that promotion phase, that does take extra effort. You know, that's that's not something that, you know, you're going to spend eight hours a day doing just focused on being promoted or up leveling yourself. You really have to carve that time out and then balancing that with, you know, the needs that you have personally in terms of fulfillment, the needs that your family has for you. If you're a fan, you know if you're if you're married and have kids and what have you, um, so it's it's a unique unique challenge. And I think just I, you know the one thing that I'd convey to everybody is be prepared to find time outside of your your day job to really make that progression happen. I
0: like your point about trying to align the things you do during the day to building that specialty or let's just say hitting the goals and objectives to reach the level you want because that's good advice as you said even if you're trying to get promoted to the next level if your company has objective measurements for what good looks like at the level you want to be aligning some of the things you do as much as possible during the day to to hit those goals and then as you said as you move up the ladder in any job you're you're probably going to have to spend more time, work a little bit more on, the, on filling the gaps and, and getting there. So you have to weigh what is most important and is it okay to flex for a little while and then, okay, maybe we'll, you know, I'm going to take some time off.
1: Yeah, I, I, had, I had some early conversations with my management chain about my participation in, in the global field program. So uh, that provided me great air cover, so to speak, because I tried to relay the benefits of my participation, and me progressing to the principal path, and how it benefit the organization. So as much as possible, you know, that's a mechanism that each of us has as a you know as a part of our disposal. So if you're looking at promotion opportunity, whether it's for you know a principal title or not, you know, I think us our our ability to relate why it is beneficial to our organization, that we work towards that promotion, I think that helps really provide us, you know, that justification for spending that time and carving out some of our day day hours towards that. And so my, my, my leadership was extremely supportive because they saw the benefit, but I had to really sell that to them. Like, here's what I would be able to do as a principal. Here's the visibility that I'll be able to bring to the organization. Here's the information that I'll be able to convey. When I relate it to my leadership chain in that context, I think it made sense for them when I told them, you know, this is going to require a little bit more of my time than I would typically focus on if I wasn't participating in this program. And they said, you know, we believe it's going to be great for us. So, you know, as
0: much time as you need, you know, we'll, we'll give it to you. That's awesome. It's it's great to have management support to go after the things that you that you want. And I think I heard you say earlier that no matter where we are and what we do, it's good to develop a little more depth in a specific area or two and be known for that because it can really stand out from others even if we stay on kind of a generalist path, right? Because even within the the Dell synergies team, right? You're still a bit of a generalist across a bunch of different things, right? Yeah, there's, you know, that that solution set is broad,
1: exactly. So if we, you know, you're, you're exactly right. We have to be known and distinguished for a, I'll say, an experience that regardless of whether we call ourselves a generalist or a specialist. So it really becomes a focus of can I, Joe Chenevy, be called upon to speak on you know on behalf of the company for XYZ and so what I try to do is put myself in the position of if anybody needs to know or uh, about strategy in this area that's what I'm gonna bring and so i built kind of my repertoire towards that and so every effort that I put forward was really to build myself to the level where if someone, if the office of the CTO or someone in the field needed a resource to speak to that subject, they would automatically associate it with my name. So that takes, you know, a lot of work and take time because really to build that level of visibility means, you know, really getting in front of people so that they're associating that, that subject or that topic and you together. So hey, if I need somebody who is the master of this topic, it's going to be Joe Chenevy. And, that, and that's something that if you look at career progression, that's how you get promoted. You know, that's how you get certain titles. That's how you get new opportunities to do something different. But they say, oh, well, he's great at that, at that one thing. Potentially, he could be great at another thing when, when, when I'm ready to signal that.
0: Yeah, and you're, and you're exhibiting technical leadership in a non-management or non-people leadership role building up others
1: you're, you're correct and I think uh, the higher le- you know the higher you go into your career including a career ladder uh, I think there is a lot of focus at those higher levels of distinction on up leveling other folks and I think that is important to, to also bake into your consideration when you're looking at you know what you want to do and whether you want to you know step into a principal role is whether you're ready to really give yours time to really up-level other folks as a part of your work because I think it is part and parcel to that. I don't think I certainly would have progressed as far as I have without the ability to have really gotten coaches who were principals before I even really thought about that. That natural curiosity you know, gave me the, the ability to have those conversations, but it took me to really do all the work but those folks are really the ones that really showed me the way, so to speak, in terms of here, you know, here's here's the things that I do. If you want to do them, you know, you might want to consider, you know, up leveling yourself here, getting to know the business groups here, you know, talking to product management. So they gave me sort of a roadmap in terms of areas of improvement that I could take, and I took them. And so when I became a principal, that was still a big focus of mine because. There are other folks who would approach me and say, well, how did you do that? And so I uh, often spend time, you know, providing a one-on-one coaching on, well, what are you interested in? Why are you interested in it? And I'm very, you know, I'll put it back on that individual by asking questions. Why are you interested in doing this thing? What reasons do you have for wanting to do that? Because when someone asks us that question, again, it puts us back a little bit and say, okay, let me think about that. And so depending on what that answer is, I'll say, okay, if you're interested in this, well, you might want to take these steps. So it, it helps me kind of frame my perspective on telling folks, not necessarily how to do it exactly how I did, but giving them a perspective on areas of improvement that they need to do or the mindset, quite frankly, that you have to d- take to, to really take those next steps themselves. And it becomes, uh, in, a, in a lot of circumstances, Curating and fostering mindsets, you're doing that day in and day out as a principle. One, you want to really foster a progressive mindset with our customer bases, with our business groups, with product management, our colleagues, but also, like I said, in many cases, that also means fostering that mindset with folks that are a little bit more junior to us and helping them think through career progression as well.
0: Well, it goes back to earlier when you were talking about what you did in the in the military and beyond. What do you do every day? Why do you like doing that? What's it like? Same kind of conversation. we sort of come full circle. I think that's really cool. Last question for you, Joe. How do you decide what's next for Joe Chenevy?
1: Oh, well, you,
0: you ask tough questions, Nick.
1: For me, it, it comes down to I have to have, I'll say, periods of time for reflection and I think everybody should consider taking times just for personal reflection and determining one their mental health emotional health and what we feel about you know our work-life balance And you know, it's often a challenge in technology to really frame that work-life balance because I said you know as I said I derive a lot of emotional fulfillment from what I do day in and day out you know, as a professional in, in this industry. So there, to me, there really is no finite delineation where it's, you know, a one or a zero. Um, It's, it's very gray in terms of that. And so I, I really have to take time to really, you know, do some personal reflection and, and throughout the year. And as I've done that, it's those points in time that when I'm in the mode of doing personal reflection, that allows me, the perspective that I need in terms of job satisfaction. Am I happy doing what I'm doing? Do I like uh, what I do? Am I ready for something different? Am I ready for the next step, whatever that next step is? And so it's those periods of personal reflection that allows me to really ask myself those types of questions. And once I ask myself those questions, and then my next step is one, seek, seek, a sounding board, either through a coach of mine or a mentor, and then you know signaling that to my leadership at some point in time, and uh, that's worked well. You know, in terms of how I've approached it here, especially here in the last eight to nine years at VMware, it's been an extremely uh, gratifying ride. Looking at how the industry is transition, but you know, ultimately, you know, I think us as individuals, we constantly have to look at the landscape and evaluate, you know, where we fit within that. And so those those periods of
0: reflection allows me to do that. Excellent. Thank you so much, Joe, for spending time with us. Really appreciate it. Great advice, by the way, for everybody out there. And can people reach out to you on social if they want to follow up on anything we talked about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have a Twitter handle. That's probably the only social platform that I really participate in, LinkedIn as well. So if you want to find me, I'm at sojourner on twitter that's s-o-j-o-e-r-n-e-r on twitter and then uh, on linkedin is easy
0: enough to find me Uh, my last name is easy to find we'll put those links in the show notes if you want to reach out to joe once again thank you so much joe really appreciate you being on the show thanks for having me and allowing me this discussion on a philosophical journey that we've had you probably heard how Joe continued to focus on understanding the process of progression, promotion, within the same company or to a different one. In the case of the principal process, he really needed to understand what it took. And that curiosity that he talked about in episode 170 is really what led him to go and speak to people who had been there and figure out if he was ready. Talking to other people who have been there or are doing what you want to do, great way to figure out how they got there, how to avoid landmines, and what you might be able to do to get there as well. In that light, Joe mentions he had a lot of mentors. And a mentor is a great person you can use to practice the career conversation you want to have with your manager before it happens. Sometimes even with a person outside your organization, because they're going to have some different insight into what you should focus on, what your strengths and weaknesses are, it's a great way. I don't think that every one of us maybe thinks about needing to practice having a career conversation if we're not used to it. Did you hear what Joe said about trying to align his daily work with his progress to that principle level? I think there are ways that we can all try and do this in what we do today. Some of that was communicating the value to his management chain of participating in the principal program. How many of us take the time to communicate the actual value to our manager, our greater team, the organization in which we work for something we want to do that will progress us? Maybe it's getting a certification. How? What is the value of that certification and you getting it to the team you're on, the greater organization as a whole? If you haven't thought about that, Your manager is probably thinking about it too. And we got some good insight of what the manager might be thinking about. Because it's not always about your specific promotion. Especially if they have a number of employees. They have many focuses. Joe says we need to be known and distinguished for something. If you asked five people you work with and some people you don't who know you, what would they say? If they don't have an answer, maybe there's not one. Or maybe they'll tell you something that you don't want to be known and distinguished for, so maybe it's time to work to change that. In high-level individual contributor positions, we see this need to demonstrate leadership and a focus on others. It's all about caring for people. Perhaps doing some of that mentoring Joe shared that he got from others. In fact, having guests on the podcast is like getting a, a private mentoring session not only on the air, but when I listen back. Hopefully your perspective on what leaders think about when it comes to promotions and what their focus might be changed from these discussions. Maybe that helps you prepare for asking for that next thing. When you're talking about whether you should go after something new inside your organization or outside, are you thinking about your happiness level how fulfilled you are in your work, but also matching your skills to what is required or needed in a new role. Maybe someone creates a new position for you or or has a new position that you found out about. It's important that we take that time for reflection. Very much like Mike Wood did in episode 169, it's important to, to take the time. It's a muscle. We need to learn how to build and strengthen from time to time so that it's not completely atrophied when we need to use it in a really bad situation. Last thing I'll say is, even though Joe has reached a a top-tier individual contributor spot, he's actually not ruling out potential people leadership and says that his mindset on that has changed a little bit. You can change your mind if you want to go between the two. And don't forget those lateral moves Joe had mentioned in episode 170. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. And give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at Network Nerd Underscore, so solo for now my buddy john white happy journeyman signing off